0: Hey, what's up everybody, yeah, um, episode three of PH Journals podcast, uh, I'm very excited to be here, I just finished a 10 day hunt with uh, my good friend Jared Hubble, um, <coughs> yeah, so just excuse the audio quality, we are sitting in my uncle's beautiful trophy room full of unique and wonderful trophies of Africa and Spain and all of that, um, just a few people got to give a big shout out to Love Tyres in Queenstown. Um, my mom and my brother, just a big thank you to them for supporting me and um, looking out for me and all of that. And then Maxis Tyres. I uh, fitted the new Maxis Bighorn rain, uh, Razors um, to my pickup now for this hunt. And they performed outstandingly. They were amazing Tyre 3 plus sidewall Um the tread is fantastic. So yeah, pretty pumped up about that. Um, but yeah, guys, sit back, relax, enjoy the show. Um Jared Abel, everybody. Okay guys, joined here by Jared Hubble. I'm um, pretty excited about this podcast. Um, we've got a lot to discuss. Just finished a 10-day safari. We've had a fantastic time, shot some amazing animals. Um, Jared, welcome.
1: Thank you, Dylan. Excited uh, to be here.
0: How long have you guys been? This is your fifth time to South Africa, right? No, I think this is number six. Number six. Yeah. First 10-day safari, second 10-day safari.
1: This will be my first 10-day.
0: Okay. So Jared has been here for a few times. It was my first time hunting him last year. Um, We had a very tough hunt, the hippo hunt. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little. But before we get into the whole hunting industry, Joe, just tell me a little bit about your HuntingAfrica.com and what it's all about.
1: Uh, Me and my partner, we started this uh, company two years ago. Uh, we were called Affordable Africa Hunts, and we decided to make the switch to Hunting Africa. It's easy to remember, and um, w- every time we say our name, they were saying our website, so it's easy for people to go to. Uh, reason why we started is my very first time coming to Africa. We had no idea what to do. Um, our outfitter didn't help us. We, we'd, we'd, we had no idea what the next step was, how to get the guns here, and when we did get the guns here, the people were terrible. We had to wait and we had to pay people. Um, then we get to the safari and we got to, you know, pay double what we were what we were first quoted. So uh, we started this to help hunters not to go through the experiences that I have, um, and so we help you from start to finish from. Just even booking the hunt, transporting guns, helping with flights, helping with excursions, photo safaris, um, to getting your taxidermy work done, to getting the shipping done, even to the brokerage uh, fee done, and we're not asking for commission on any of it. You know, where we're, we're going to make all our money is on the hunt, uh, so we we tr- just help those hunters. Uh, have an enjoyable time uh, and not have any hiccups because this is very well known to a lot of Africans it's just not very known to Americans and we are clueless on what to do
0: but there's also guys out there that are taking a little bit of a chance I mean I've had a few clients that have come from America and not get what they promised and then when they get there there's a lot of hidden fees like we said yeah so I think it's great that you guys are helping them out and um it's a a very important part of this industry, because I think think a lot of us have gotten into this, especially, like we've discussed this quite often, as PHs and stuff, we we leave our our job once the hunt's finished, when that shouldn't be the case, we should wait until our job only begins once the hunt's finished, and we should help you guys, the outfitter and all of that, making sure that the trophies get back safely, and get hung up on the walls, and Everything from there, there's no hiccups. So that's that's pretty cool. That's something new in the industry. I don't think there's too many people doing what you guys are doing.
1: No. I, as far as I know, any agent out there is only booking the hunt. And you're on your own for everything else. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, cool. So you started out here. We started on the 27th of this month. Yeah. Uh, we've just finished 10 days. What's your next plan? I, s- I know you're here for two two or three weeks this time, huh?
1: Yeah. We're, my wife right now and kids are... Um, at Port Elizabeth by themselves without me (laughs) and I feel very safe to allow them to be there without me Um, Africa is very safe and there's a lot of fun things to do right now they are in Addo Park seeing the elephants and getting up close within 10 feet to these elephants to uh, the buffalo and uh, all the big five hopefully seeing a lion on a kill that would be extraordinary to see that out in the wild but the first time you came here, you guys did the shark cage diving and... No, that was my third safari. Third time. The we first
0: time to Hunters Hill, right?
1: That was, yes, my first time to Hunters Hill.
0: Okay. So uh, that, that safari you did... T- tell us a little bit how how you met Hunters Hill. How did you start hunting with us?
1: Well, uh, again, my very first outfitter uh, ripped us off and it, it was... Uh, hard to try to trust somebody, so we started going to the shows, um, looking for outfitters that have donated hunts to SEI, uh, longtime members, um, not somebody that can't get in the booths like what we did with our first outfitter. Um, so we, we end up buying an auction hunt. I ended up buying a, an incredible deal on a sable hunt for 2500 bucks, unheard of, and they produced the sable. And I think I shot 15 animals in total on that hunt, 18 animals.
0: Well, I mean, that was, it would, uh, that was back in, so three years from now. So That's 2016. 2016. And that safari you did with your oldest son and your father, right? Yes. And after that, what did you do after that? head off to? Um,
1: we, I think we went
0: home after that. We
1: started our safari in Cape Town and did the whole garden route. Um, What I did is I'm not a wine drinker and so they have a bus tour that takes you through all the stops and so I mimicked their stops just taking out the wine tours. So we went shark cage diving in Hans Bay and then we uh, traveled to Oatswan and had ostrich steak (laughs) and road ostriches (laughs) I'm a fat boy, so I didn't get an <laughs> opportunity, but my son did, and he had incredible time. We got neck massages from ostriches. If you don't know what that is, you'll have to log onto our website and, and see that for real. Okay. Um, we went to J Bay. I've had some history there. That I've been there with my cousin several times, and then headed off to Port Elizabeth, and then we came up to you guys. Um, I think we did a fishing excursion just before that um, with my friend Shane and had an incredible time but then finished the safari with you guys and just icing on the cape
0: the fishing was done in caneton on sea am i correct yes it was okay and uh where what sort of fish did you guys catch up there
1: uh that trip we caught uh, black eye and i'm gonna maybe mess some of these up <laughs> yellow eye okay. i believe yeah uh, french and frenchman's fish yeah but my son and my dad caught the two black eye fish, um, okay. and I didn't get one of those, but we caught several others. Took them back to Shane's house and had a fish spray. Um, some of the fish, best fish I've ever had in my life.
0: So did you guys stay at Shane's house itself, or did you...
1: No, we stayed in actually Port Alfred. In Port Alfred? Yeah,
0: right on the beach. It's about a 20-minute drive from yeah, there. Yeah. It's not far. Um, so then you came over to South Africa. Tell me, Tell me a little bit about the experience about hunting with your son and... I know. Was it his first time yet to Africa?
1: It was both my dad and my son's first time, okay. and my son's uh, first animal. He's only ten at ten at the time, okay. uh, and we can't hunt at ten. We can hunt jackrabbits, and that, yeah. that's not any fun. Just to kill to kill. That's not.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, not ideal for me, but uh, my PH at the time that was uh, Justin and. I didn't know this about my son. Um, We went practicing before we came uh, shooting, and he seemed to be doing fine. He'd hit the bullseye and didn't really see a problem. But just in one of the PHs at Hunters Hill, he he saw there was a problem with my son when he could shoot. Okay. So he uh, he discovered that my son can't close one eye, and he keeps both eyes open when he's looking through the scope. When he's looking through the scope. Okay. And so that can create a challenge. And so he couldn't see the animal and he had issues. And so Justin improvised uh, with what he had, uh, used an ice cream bucket <laughs> as an eye patch and an old tire as an elastic and used that to cover up his eye so he, could, so he could hunt and shoot some animals. And he did awesome. Justin was very catering to him. His first animal was a blessed buck. Second
0: animal was a warthog. And his third was a kudu. Okay. But just for people that are out there and looking to do this with their sons and stuff, I mean, that that was my... Some people don't know this, but I was the first registered hunter on Hunter's Hill. But for me, that was the most incredible experience I ever had because I shared it with my uncle and my father that I was very close with. Um, Took me out for my first animal and then did did, did, did the whole blood and (laughs) eating the liver thing and stuff. Tell us more about that. (laughs) I want (laughs) to (laughs) hear. Yeah, so we... um, just, just here yeah, at one of the camp sections of the farm here, we, uh, Craig didn't have many animals then, there was no high fences or anything like that, um, and we just put a stalk on a beautiful blessed buck and uh, dropped him. So the, the the blooding story started quite a while back, um, it's, it's one of the traditions in South Africa where we uh, blood, take a blood out of the animal and put it on your face and you got to eat a big chunk of the liver and stuff. I'm sure your kids did that. Or yeah,
1: but not the blood on the face. Not the. You got to describe it a little bit better. You got to take a bucket full of blood <laughs> and pour it, and there's not an ounce of
0: dry spot on you. That's <laughs> just my uncle. He's uh, he took it to the extreme. Ah, yeah. uh, there's a line, and th- that line always gets crossed as far as. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's something that goes a long way. But I mean, it's something I'll never ever forget. And like I said in my. Um, and one of the intros that Hunters Hill posted on me, it's every time I lace my boots up to get into the field, I run through that whole sequence of how we put the rifle on the tree and the tree moving and from my uncle telling me to settle, to pull the trigger and stuff. So that that for me, from where I've gone from there to where I am now, it means so much to me. And I'm I'm, I'm glad you get to share these experiences with, with your kids. And I mean, being a part of this hunt, especially, I mean, you, you had your son here and your daughter, that. That was something special for me, you know, because mm. I get to relive that in Through your me. guys' in experiences, you know. So so your first son that came over here, his name's Jeffrey, right? Yes. And then Caden and Ruby came over here. Yeah. So now all of them get a chance to, uh, and then was... We had Lisa last Lisa year. Lisa was last year with, with cami your Yeah. Niece, it's going to be my second cousin twice removed. I don't <laughs> even know how that all that works. <laughs> but uh they they had a they had, they had a lot of fun and stuff. So um tell me about your hand, How did you enjoy it?
1: Oh, what did we do the first day? We went and hunted Rubies and Paula. That's um, it.
0: Um no, no, we did the giraffe or, or sorry, the Rhino, rhino first. So I'm just going to introduce the whole rhino thing to you guys a little bit. Um, we, we do something called here in South Africa, a green hunt, uh, which is you dart a, a white rhino, but we only do it when something needs to be done. So for instance, in this specific case, we needed to track and have blood tests done on this big bull that we, that we darted. Um, it's something really unique about South Africa, and I don't think it's done anywhere else. Um, but it's, it's a hair raising experience it's 20, it's a 20 yard shot with a dart. So you can imagine if you miss hit it, you're going to have one angry rhino after you, but uh, tell us a little bit about it. You enjoyed? it.
1: Yeah, it was not easy. <laughs> uh, shooting a dart doesn't shoot straight. Yeah. And, uh, if you have any wind, it's, you've got to compensate for it. And you've got a small little window of where you can hit this rhino uh... The rhino skins two inches thick yep. if I'm not mistaken yeah. and they have folds on their um, the, their skin so if you hit one of the folds you're not gonna uh, get Any the, penetration, the yeah. penetration on it so yeah we put on i would say eight, ten stocks yeah. to this thing and uh, every time we just couldn't get close enough he would not allow us we didn't get a charge yeah. Which we were very lucky. Yeah, no, extremely. And uh, finally, we, we got uh, two darts in him. And, and w- we got a witness of him basically relaxing. And he, it wasn't like he just would tip over. He, yeah. he relaxed, it, he settled down, he, he sat down. Uh, it was an incredible experience getting that close to a rhino. You know, as we were hunting him, Y- he would go through the brush and he could hear like a metal plate that it was the trees mm. were scratching against and yeah. So that was the first thing I went to go touch uh, is that metal uh, Which felt it sounded like a metal plate. Yeah. It's a very hard plate on top of them Which I assume is because of the lions to protect them against yeah, that.
0: Yeah, and the thorn trees I mean you you guys have seen our acacia trees. Yeah, they're not, <laughs> they're not, <laughs> they're not they're the friendliest <laughs> piece No but, um, yeah, so that, that there's so many variables when, you, when you're doing these green hunts because the dart's filled with liquid. So obviously in that little canister, the liquid moves a lot. And I uh, only sort of often now, after doing it with you, I, I read up a little bit about it and stuff, and that's got the whole lot of variations because you're shooting cross. So that liquid lines um, sort of at a vertical angle. So when you shoot it, obviously the liquid moves inside there, and ah, that's, that's where the whole variation it. comes right. in. and. I picked that up and that's why a lot of the people prefer the, uh, you know, obviously if we don't do green hunts and then you just dart in rhino to move them or whatever the case, they dart them out the chopper. So the liquid is facing down, so there's not there's not as much thrashing of the liquid inside the dart, which is a variable. And then our shot placement on them obviously is in, in the neck, not behind the shoulder like we normally do with all the other animals, which right. is also the target is a lot smaller. Th- you think on a bigger animal it will get bigger, but it's it's smaller, so… So that was enjoyable for me, and then we went off to Ruby's impala.
1: Yeah, and uh, we first stalked
0: a springbuck,
1: and he he wasn't really giving us the chance to put on a, a good stalk to him. We it was too much open and not enough trees to hide behind. Um, off the distance, we had some impala barking at us, and so we decided to take a, a shot on on a. A coal blus or a uh, coal impala with, for my daughter. Um, Dylan cohorced her. Uh, <laughs> he he calmed her. He he did everything he needed to to get her to place a calming kill shot on this impala. And the excitement on her face yeah, yeah, yeah. is is so hard to describe. It's something we got need to show. Uh, she she was thrilled because she saw the animal uh collapse, and it was her first animal and man was she stoked I first mean, animal
0: ever it's the first time she's actually literally even shot i mean yes at the range we we shot a little bit but yep. i mean for how old is she now she's 10 10 years old to drop an animal with the first shot it's it's something incredible and i i was like like i said i'm very blessed to have witnessed that that, uh, that, that was, was cool that was for me but um that, that's a unique thing about this whole African experience. You get to shoot these cool animals, and not all of them have to be trophy. Like now, at the no. moment, we're trying to manage the herds, like you said, with the impala, blessed by blue wildebeest, that sort of stuff. So it gives <coughs> so many different options to coming over to South Africa. Because people think you're coming over here, you've got to shoot the biggest, meanest animal. It's not about that. It's about experiencing a hunt, harvesting what you, or not harvesting, but shooting what you need to shoot but as well you get to do a little bit of management and and animal control over the time and and that's I guess that's what you get to do with your kids and you know you don't have to go and spend thousands of dollars out there shooting trophy animals right
1: Yeah. well back in the states we we have to do draws and we get one animal maybe two animals that we might draw for but we may never draw and my son's fourteen and I can't even get him a draw on the tag you know a tag just because of his age, or no, just because of the politics that we have. You know, okay. we're um, we we do not always get over the counter tag for yeah. deer or elk. Uh, yeah. um, and so it's 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 harder on my kids to be able to take them and experience the hunting that I used to do at my age, because I would go every year, and I got I, we could get a deer tag every year. And that's not like that anymore. And so it's very affordable to take your kids. It's very affordable to let the kids shoot. You're not spending thousands of dollars, like you said.
0: Yeah, but that, uh, I mean, you guys are just going to manage a few species. Yeah, we've got to manage. I mean, yeah, at Hunter's Hill alone, I think it's 72 different species that we've got to manage. Yes. So we're constantly doing that. And, and, and we're very fortunate to have the clientele that's wanting to do it. And But it, it's good to have an extra option. But Ruby did not want to eat that liver. <laughs> so Sorry. we
1: didn't go as yeah. extreme as you guys did i poured <laughs> the blood all over her
0: face because that yeah that she would have freaked yeah. out yeah but we we she just kept cutting that piece of liver down to part sized pieces and then eventually took a massive sip of water and i had to chuck it in <laughs> in the top of her mouth so she could swallow but then it, we, we we were off to Caden. and we stalked on a herd of blessed back there
1: yeah and he got a pretty nice plus yeah. buck for, yeah. um, for his first time animal. Um, and yeah, Caden, uh, again, he has never shot just like Ruby. I practiced at the range a couple of times, but never an animal, never stalked an animal. Uh, so when he got that opportunity with Dylan, uh, we, were, we were actually after spring buck as yeah. well. And spring buck, are, they're like our antelope back home, um, but, and you can't get close to them just like our antelope back home. Yeah. Um, so we, we missed our opportunity to get to the spring buck. And uh, we had some eland that we were maybe looking at, having some blessed buck, and we got a, just a perfect opportunity on a blessed buck. And again, my kid placed the, the shot. I mean, I could blame my kid for doing such a great job, but I really got to put a lot of it on, on you, you know, as the PH, to, you know. Sure telling these kids on where to shoot how to shoot calm them down because the adrenaline that you get through some of this uh, can be sometimes
0: overpowering yeah well i mean throughout the the hunt i mean we this this is the incredible part about it is that i've had guys that have come over here and hunted for years and years and years and sometimes you lose those animals mm. but your kids did not wound one, one animal. animal every animal they every dropped in the one. track. i mean that's that's incredible and yeah, oh, that's that's I mean that's something unique about it because you, you also don't want to put them off, you know so th- they get to tend to get a little bit disheartened if you lose an animal unfortunately, but it is part of the business, but we were very they did very well this this time around and then we we <laughs> this is a very controver- controversial animal in Africa because a lot of people don't want you to hunt it. so what made you decide to hunt a giraffe or Edna's giraffe? <laughs> they're
1: a gorgeous animal, and uh, seeing a trophy room like this, this is something I absolutely desire, um, and that's just an iconic animal that you almost have to have to complete your, your set. Um, they're a beautiful animal, and, and it, was a, it was an incredible hunt, I mean, uh, they're, how tall are they, 16 feet?
0: Yeah, about uh, to maybe convert tall.
1: into f- feet into <laughs> into, into muscles. <laughs> um, they're so tall and they, it's so hard to put a stock to them yeah. for, for their, their height and they can see you from miles away. Yeah.
0: But also, what I want to make people aware of is we were, we, we're very lucky to have large numbers of these animals, oh. the giraffe. And uh, obviously we've just come through now about a seven year drought that was extremely bad on us and hard on our, our animal population. But not only that, it, it lifted our meat prices. Our meat prices went through the roof.
1: <coughs> well, expand a little bit about the drought because the drought to us, yeah, you have you have more chances for fires you have. okay. We, we have a water shortage, so yep. we can't water our lawns. But you're Buffalo at Fort Beaufort. Yeah, they look terrible. Well, the the, the kudu in Kalahari, mm-hmm. they they don't have any meat on the bones. So yeah. They they're
0: they're literally dying. But a lot a, lo- a lot to do with those sort of areas is also the ticks. So obviously with the drought, there's not enough nutrients in in the food and stuff that they're getting. So the ticks the ticks tend to um, take over and they just deplete their bodies completely. And animals actually that's they die a lot a lot of them die from ticks diseases so that's what happened but but f- as far as as far as hunting and conservation goes towards the communities and stuff that the pricing for these communities on normal meat and when i say normal meat i mean like sheep goats cattle and stuff was just overbearing on them so uh, with with a lot of the political um, things happening in south africa uh like our fuel prices increasing, um, and then obviously the dollar rand exchange is through the roof at the moment. I think it's fifteen. Close rand, to fifteen yeah. rand. So it's made it a lot a very unaffordable for the our, our communities that hunting provide for to afford meat, and that's why we we lucky that we I mean we don't we don't utilize the giraffe as far as sending it off to butcheries or anything. We we donate it off to the The community and I think that's what a lot of people misunderstand is that these communities can't afford proteins such as meat and stuff like that so that's why I know I know it's a controversial thing in the States but people need to understand when when they come over here us as as PH's and that we we know um, how big these herds are, and we know our limits. I mean, we know when to stop shooting certain animals because we've shot enough or whatever the case may be. But we, 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 we promote you shooting these sort of things to feed these people because without them, we don't have skinners, we don't have trackers, they don't have jobs. And they work so yeah. hard That's for <laughs> so little. Yeah, it's crazy. But um, so, yeah, so we basically every single piece of that giraffe, Went off to the local community, and and that's something as well. That's that's special. When you
1: say every single piece, And uh, we were trying to talk this, uh, about this at Courtman's house, and I don't know if the wind got it all, but yeah, I mean it's the intestines, it's in the stomach, yeah. it's the the kidneys, the liver, the heart, uh, th- the esophagus. Yeah, I mean uh, the bones. I mean, w- us Americans were were pathetic when we're we're hunting animals uh, over there because we we actually do waste. A lot of meat. We waste a lot of bones, and uh, when we're hunting elk on up ten thousand feet, you know, uh, we can't bring it all back. But we are bringing a
0: good majority of the meat back. But you guys use everything. Everything from. I saw your face when they were emptying their stomach out of all the <laughs> shit inside there. But um so that um, but I mean again, like they like like we were saying, they just use absolutely everything, from even the bone marrow inside the bones. They just and, and then people just don't understand they, they that don't it understand. is everything. When we
1: say everything, they don't understand everything. Yeah. And yeah. to describe it, dissect it down to, like you said, bone marrow. Yeah. And th-
0: and that and, th- and that's the biggest thing. But we you know, we, we, we tend to get in these debates and I just find we get nowhere with people that aren't aware of these sort of things. You've actually got to come over here and experience it for yourself. Absolutely. And and, and see where this meets going. Because, I mean, we, we, we can talk about this until we're blue in our faces, but there's still a, mar- a large majority of people out there that don't understand it. They just don't get it. And yeah. It's frustrating, especially as a PH, because, I mean, this is my livelihood. This is where my money comes from this is where Cortman's money comes from and without this i mean and and the more the the green people get their way the more we suffer down yeah you know so yeah.
1: but anyway um so that dr- you can't manage the herd from overseas and that's what the U- yeah. u.s people need to understand is you africans have taken your populations and more than double them. You yeah. From what I, the last number I heard, there was 150 animals uh, left on in, uh, on Africa plains, yeah. and with hunting conservation, you guys have raised it over 15 million. Yeah.
0: Well, th- I think it was at the Wildlife Summit in Dubai. No, actually, Allah. It was in in I think it was in Texas. Um, the president of Botswana actually uh, gave the figures on his elephant herds at the moment. And they've increased from, I think it was 15,000 to almost double, to like 32,000. And that's from just management, uh, shooting the the old bulls that are terrorizing villages. And and I mean, it's an incredible, incredible story because Botswana for Africa is one of the, um, how can I say, one of the highlights of africa because they have just got their management so right i mean everything they do is for conservation but they still allow hunting and they still they, they just go on and i mean it's an incredible story but the giraffe went down and then uh we came back and we what did we do next it was a blue wildebeest though yeah <laughs> you got to tell this story <laughs> Well, what were we hunting before? We were hunting something else before. Yeah, we were we were after a monster
1: springbuck. Oh yes, yeah. and um, again, springbuck are just not an easy animal. Um, you know, Dylan is very experienced, and regardless of this terrain, I mean, every time you step, you crunch something. Yeah. it's just so dry, uh, even the ground crunches. Um, but so we, we decided to put the spring buck on hold and maybe come back for a little bit later and put the stock on some blue wildebeest. And and hearing those sounds, they're they're barking at us. They're Snorty. snorting. Yeah. Um, and Dylan had my daughter calmed and relaxed. She shot, and the blue wildebeest dropped in its tracks. It's realistically unheard. I would say a good 90% yeah. of blue wildebeest hunters uh, that... Well, at least go 50 yards or
0: more. Well, let me let me put a little bit of this into perspective because this is something I would have never ever done, and I'm never gonna do it again. <laughs> yeah, <we that's laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> we it's about half past five now in the evening, and we obviously we were after the spring back, but we saw the opportunity on a blue wildebeest. I had a 243 caliber, and like I said, it's half past five in the evening. Now, as far as I'm concerned, and a lot of us Ph's we, we will agree with this, a blue wildebeest is one of the toughest animals to bring down. And you do not hunt it past four o'clock. But I just I just had to take a chance with Ruby. She just the situation was just too perfect to not to miss up on this opportunity. And I promise you I had her at about eighty yards and she dropped it with one shot with a 243. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Absolutely unheard of. And I promise you now, I'll, I'll go another 10 years before I ever do that again. But, I mean, that was, that was pretty cool. That's that was. Th- th- that was one of my first times I've ever seen that You happen. can put a lot of blame on Ruby, but <laughs> a lot of that goes directed <laughs> towards you, man. Um, and then after that was Caden's gigantic Black Wildebeest yeah um
1: i don't even remember what we were hunting probably another spring buck um and then dylan is in the back of the truck with my son and <laughs> i'm at front so dylan got free range to talk to my son and just says hey that black wildebeest you want it he's like yeah but do you want that trophy because that's bigger than your dad's <laughs> <laughs> and what of course he says yes so uh, they made the stock on the the black wildebeest and uh, the black wildebeest shot, kind of did a little spin, and then basically collapsed in basically in his tracks. So just one shot? One shot. Yeah. And just fantastic phing. Oh, thanks, Jared.
0: It's the first time he's been nice to me this hunt, <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you guys <laughs> now. <laughs> but um, So then uh, we, we shot a few animals in between and stuff, but me and Jared, it was our first time hunting last year together. And so we were hunting hippo again as part of with management. With a bow, yes, with a bow. Um, part as part of management done in the Fish River, and um, because they went on tender, and all the meat gets donated to the villages, the local villages, um, which is cool. But unfortunately, we just just that hunt. Although it was one of the coolest hunts I've ever done, in between the trees and and it's just so thick there and stuff. Just nothing just went right i mean we put a few stalks on we put a stalk on on a barber sheep. got stuck at five o'clock in the morning and <laughs> walked up you did it on purpose all right <laughs> 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 just to make them walkable yeah. and we got there and um partly my my fault to blame we didn't uh, the angle of the shot we misjudged anyway so then we messed up on that but we got a beautiful T T B to be last year what else did we shoot
1: uh, golden wildebeest yes. and golden buck yes. and buffalo
0: oh yes that's right and then um but oh, this hunt kalahari kalahari springback oh, oh. geez yeah you know, that man monster one anyway so but this this hunt just everything just fell into place pretty cool um and we got a bit of redemption on the Barbara sheep yes <laughs> that was cool that was I'll t- I'll I don't think wh-
1: I've ever gotten Dylan other than the grass buck. I don't think I've ever gotten Dylan so excited. <laughs>
0: he fell over. That was awesome. Because uh, you don't also get a 280 yard shot on a on a sheep. They're normally further than that. Yeah. But we we managed to lie down in like this this sort of valley on top of one of Hunter's Hill. It's actually the Volkskisberg Mountains. Um, they are about 12,000 feet. What? How many feet were we last year? I think it was about 12 12 and a half thousand. At Fish feet. River. No, no, no. The the Wolfsburg Mountains Mountains. Oh, we yeah. were hunting the yeah, barber yeah. sheep, and they just came over into this like little saddle we had in the mountain perfectly. And uh, uh, one of one of the things uh, about a barber sheep is the eyesight is just crazy. I mean, they're brilliant. They are they sight so good. So, and Jared dropped him with a perfect shot. <laughs> <laughs> Jared was aiming for the top of the shoulder and he shot it through the head <laughs> <laughs> but it dropped so I'm not going to complain about I that. aimed at the top of the shoulder so I didn't hit the stuff below you oh, he'll tell you another story yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> we got it on video you guys can see it for yourself <laughs> um but other than that um our 24-hour hunt oh yeah tell us a little bit about that oh um so we get up
1: very early um, and their early for them is 7 o'clock, so very early. It's 3. Um, we got up at 3 um, and just quickly gathered a day pack, uh, went to uh, the truck and headed over to Grafvernet, um on a very long drive. Uh, gosh, we were three hours. Yeah. Three hours on the drive, and then probably about another hour on a dirt road and then climbed a mountain, um, and this small truck that they consider, they considered <laughs> a, a massive truck, but it made it. And we got up there, um, and put several stocks on some valves. Um, the, the wind's just howling. Um, and it's usually a 400 yard shot. Yeah. Very difficult shot to make yeah. very small animal. And so the vitals are very small. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we
0: made I th- I think what six stocks. Is yeah, that, is that right? <coughs> yeah, we made we made two on one herd and then the other four on the on the one specific herd. Um, but yeah, that fall ruback is, again, this is uniquely to the Eastern Cape. Um, fall Rubuck you only find in this area, which is pretty cool. Hmm. Um, so that what makes us a little bit unique in a way. But yeah, like you say, you. You're very lucky if you get a under under 400 yard shot, but and it's the angling of all the yeah the mountains and the cliffs and all that sort and of stuff. And as sausage. you're
1: stepping, you got it's like the the dirt has eroded from the grass. Yeah. And so as you're stepping, you're stepping on six inches of grass, twisting your ankles, yeah. and it's not easy terrain to hike in. And I would I would I would I don't think I'd be lying if we were to say we hiked six miles or so.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but that, and as well, that I mean, that's just land of the land of the land. And these are cattle and sheep farmers, so, so nothing is put on there. They're just naturally indigenous to there. So which, which is cool. Um, and Jared dropped him with one shot. Yeah. 325 yards. Eh? It? Yeah. And then uh, the that, that that to me, I'll be honest about. The, this was one of the most unique things about that day was the Clipspringer hunt?
1: Yeah, they're the sm- one of the smallest animals in Africa. Um, and, and the females don't have horns, but, and the males do, but the, the horns are only an inch to yeah. five inches max. And so most of them are gonna be with three to four. Wow. Uh, and, and to see the horns it's, it's, and at night, it's almost impossible. And so Dylan's got a spotting scope on. I would say seven, no, eight. Sweet
0: th- cheeks. We're talking about the clip springer, yeah. Oh, Clippy. Okay,
1: Grice, <laughs> I, was, I was skipping on to the more exciting. He's, he's jumping the guy yeah. here a little bit. I'm excited for the the grass um, Yeah, the close finger. We we made one one attempt to it, and well, actually two. Uh, one um, we ended up spooking him. Uh, we they saw us before we saw them. Yeah. They get up on top of a mountain, so we decided to put the stock on. And again, these are the the hills with the thick grass and twisting your ankles. Get up there, and we should have been about three, four hundred yards away from them, and uh, see black eagles circling them, chasing them around. So we had to kind of bag that hunt, and Cliff Springers, which I did not know, uh, and maybe back up to the Vals, uh, so everybody else knows about this, but the Valerie buck are the only antelope that have wool. Well, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. And I've been here a lot. I'm training him as <laughs> a PH. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be a PH next year, <laughs> so I don't have to hire him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, then the um has such a thin skin. Is that the reasoning why?
0: Yeah, and 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 the the um, the fur on it is very soft. So, so your, your your trophy treatment, once the shot goes off, is extremely important.
1: you got to put it on ice, or yeah. what's the other method?
0: Yeah, some of us, um, ice is ideal, but w- what happens is the it takes you so long to get up to the top, your ice normally melts after a while. Yeah. So what we normally do is we, we fill a bucket full of water, and you put a bit of detal in. Some of us even put a bit of salt, like a salt solution type thing in there as well just so that we can get down the mountain until we can salt it properly. Um, but it's extremely important. I, I like to do it personally. I like to clean the animal there and then. I don't like it to travel with the guts in or anything. So right. that skin doesn't chafe against the pickup or anything like that because trophy preparation is important on a clip springer. But um, going back to the clippy, um, the, the black eagle, uh, they're highly endangered. Yeah, oh, Austin I didn't Cape. know that. Wow. And it's the only place in, in South Africa you find black eagles. And we've we've got a few nests up top here at Hunter's Hill in the Volskersburg Mountains. But their <coughs> their main food, yeah, it's dassies, the rock rabbit. But there it's klipspringer. Because if you have a look at a klipspringer, it's the same sort of size. So that's, that's their main source of food. I mean, they're not going to pick up a fall rebuck, A fall reback's a little bit p- bigger than that. Mm, so right so t- yeah for me that was one of the coolest things uh, i know <laughs> it would irritate a lot of phs because you miss an opportunity yeah. but it was just so cool to see that um and then you're ginormous but small grace back <laughs>
1: yeah this is the, the story i was telling about earlier so we travel oh what another through two hours three hours two hours let's say three okay Travel down to um, Kirkwood. Kirkwood, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm learning South yeah, Africa the geography. <laughs> uh, get down to Kirkwood and uh, uh, hunt in an orchard. Um, it's a bit of an advantage to us, I would think, yeah. uh, versus hunting it um, in uh, the thorns. Yeah. Um, so we we approached, I'd say eight or so um, grass books uh, and uh, w- the hardest thing was trying to d- determine if they're male or female. Yeah. Um, the females have a black stripe on the top of their head and sometimes it points up so that looks like a yeah. horn and so you've got to be sure because you don't want to mess up. Uh, and then uh, I would say we're out four hours, five hours and uh, most of us were giving up. Uh, my cheeks are red right now from uh, windburn. Wind <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, like I said, everybody, everybody's giving up. The cameraman, he, he was getting cold. Everybody's getting cold. And we just got an opportunity. Of I think it was 1130 at night.
0: No, 1 o'clock. Was it 1? One? One, 1 o'clock. Oh, my gosh. You put the bullet in.
1: So we got the opportunity at 1 o'clock. So it was, it was 6, 7 hours. Yeah. Then. Oh, Wow. Uh, so we got the opportunity, and um, they're all yelling at me because I, I got all excited, and I'm I basically got the barrel on top of the gun and or t- uh, on top of the truck, and yeah, yeah. gonna put a bullet hole in the truck, and they're yelling at me, and I'm like, and so I I fixed that that issue, and <laughs> I think I only had probably five seconds left, and yeah. then he would've been gone. Go and so I end up putting the one shot and dropped him right then and there. And Fantastic shot, fantastic guidance, and wa- it's a animal I didn't know about, but the Gricebuck, Um and I can't say it like they do. They have a really cool way of saying it. Gricebuck. Yeah, there you go. I'll, I eventually will. Uh, they they have gray hairs and in, th- in the back of their and they have a big big back body, and they have the the gray hairs which we which featured on the yeah. on the
0: photo. Yeah, they they they're nocturnal, so. That's why we only shoot them at night. Mm, Um, At
1: night.
0: Yeah, they are nocturnal. They uh, like the warmer climate, although that night was extremely cold. But they do. They do like the warmer climate. Um, And it's part of your tiny temp. But it's so difficult to try and get somebody excited about it when the animal body isn't so big. You know what I mean? So although you shot, for some people that aren't aware, there's two different bucks, There's a cape buck, which is the one we shot. And then there's a sharp buck. That's up north more, so towards mm. your beers and that sort of stuff, which is also unique to their area. But for <coughs> for us, um, this was a four-inch grace back on the right-hand horn and three-and-seven-eighths on the left-hand horn, which is... Absolutely ginormous <laughs> in this area. It's it's unheard of. I promise. Uh, yeah,
1: Dylan, Dylan was walking like a peacock in, in the lodge. She <laughs> yeah.
0: had every
1: ph uh, complimenting him. Even the boss.
0: <laughs> Bragging rights, eh? Yeah. Bragging rights. Um, then yeah, then it was a two-hour drive back to Fort Beaufort, where we've got another lodge, Rockland. Yeah,
1: just about got us a kudu that night.
0: Oh uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's that's one thing. I mean, th- I think you guys have got a lot of uh, roadkill and, kill and yeah. that sort of stuff. We saw this monster kudu bull just trotting along the road. I told Jared I've never shot a kudu bull by myself, so I might have nicked one with my, my truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, the I mean, that was <coughs> it's the first time I've ever, ever done it. Uh, we were a little bit pressed for time, so my opportunity window was I would have liked to spend a bit more time on the clip springer, but because we had to drive uh, such a distance... Um, and to miss up on an opportunity at a grace was uh was one i didn't want to pass on so i'm i'm glad we did it 24 hours yeah. i've never done it before and i don't think many people have which is awesome that's pretty cool yeah and it's a hunt i'll never ever forget huh? never <laughs> um and then what, what did we go after that i was after the steam buck wasn't it oh yes okay so that was yesterday yeah so uh jared keeps wanting me to top these days that we have just had i mean you guys must understand that tracking up a mountain f- after a barber sheep successfully getting one and then going after a fallery buck successfully getting one and a grace buck to try and top that is unheard of <laughs> but yesterday was pretty cool as well i mean it was i took him on a little bit of a joy ride. Just to tease him a little bit.
1: He got lost. I, I've told him about the new <laughs> app called Onyx. He's going to download it so he doesn't
0: get lost again. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I took him on a little bit of a joyride. But there's there's been a steamboat ram that I've been following for s- quite some time. And I haven't shared the information around Lodge because, you know, that those opportunities are few and far between. So, I knew we were staying out. And then we sank him, which was also a very, very nice steamboat you trying to do your Tiny 10. Yes. So, what's left? What have we got? We've got darker, Steam Buck, Buck. We've still got Dick Dick.
1: Yep. Blue Red Diker. Blue darker, Red Diker. Red Diker. Red Yellow Back Diker.
0: Diker. That's it. Um, I'm trying to think now. Uh, There's a Sharp's Craze Buck. And we're short sure too. Some people are going to debate whether the four Reebok should be part of the Tiny 10 or not. I, I think, think it should. I think it should too. And maybe the mountain rebuck. Mountain as well? Yeah. Have you shot one? Yes. <sighs> so now, tell me a little about this lion hunt you're going on. Well, I don't know much about it, um,
1: other than uh, we're going to be up in the Kalahari. We're going to do a, a male lion, female lion, buffalo, and... Um, I think we got a blue wildebeest and and then we get a sable.
0: Okay. Well, that's, I mean, that's that's something that I think the Americans have got to start relaxing on a little bit is the lion hunting. Yeah. Because I think before it's too late, um, our lion population is going to start suffering. Why is that? I just think, yeah, he has the perfect example. And a lot of people, especially South Africans, are going to disagree with me about this. But this is just my personal opinion. At the moment, our leopard population has grown tremendously, wonderfully. But there's going to be a point, and especially now in the Eastern Cape, we're getting more and more sightings of the leopard. Up north, Limpopo area and that sort of stuff. Also, there's a large number of leopards. Quasilunantel is another
1: one.
0: <coughs> and it's all good and well until they start doing too much damage. Because you've got to understand, leopards are territorial. So when those males lose a battle or somewhere, they go elsewhere. And they're going to start looking for easier food. Villages. Sheep, villagers. Um, and... The villagers, they're gonna stop at nothing to try and protect their cattle, sheep, goats, or whatever they've got, you know. And unfortunately, at this point in time, I've got a funny feeling that there's gonna start being a lot of poisoning and stuff around, especially for leopards, which I don't want to happen. Well, I know that my very first um, outfit, that's what he would do,
1: as illegal that is. He would put poison around to kill the jackals. Okay. and this isn't a village. This is a guy who yeah. makes a lot of money. Yeah. And but he's protecting his goats and sheep, yeah. which I don't blame him.
0: Yeah. And and you know the the, the problem is with poisoning is that no money is generated out of it. Nope. You're losing an anim- animal, and
1: all they care about is getting that animal, whether it's a jackal,
0: yeah, caracal, decimated they baboons. Yeah. <laughs> they 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 don't worry about it. So instead of what we sh- what we need to start doing, and and they're protected, so you know, they, they're n- they going to hide it. They're going to hide mm. it. If they kill a leopard or if they kill somebody, they, they, they're going to dig a hole and bury the leopard, yep. which is sad because no one benefits out of it. So if they open leopard tags in South Africa, I think it will be a good call because you're going to get more and more hunters coming over and hunting them. But a problem, and you said something which was very interesting to me, and I've never thought of it this way, is that the Americans are trying to manage our species. Yeah. And it's it's frustrating for us because (laughs) we see what's going on. I mean, for for instance, the Sumatran horned oryx. I still can't believe that that thing is there's. We can't get a permit to export them into the United States. But yeah, you can shoot as many as you want in Texas. And I mean, there's yeah, I can tell you, at least a hundred different game farms that have that species on their on their ranches, and they just can't get hunted. So they're worth nothing, you know? So it's just so frustrating. But but getting back to the point is, <coughs> I think America need to start waking up a little bit, and us as outfitters, we were all hoping with the Donald Trump thing coming in, that the lion situation was going to be relaxed a little bit, which it hasn't yet, but you say you think in the next year or so.
1: I hope if he gets reelected, I, I, his son's hunt, I think... I think something might happen.
0: Because that's what we need. Because, I mean, uh, lion bow trade is legal here in South Africa. It's legal. Mm. Which is not a bad thing if, you, if you're if you hunting lions. Because you guys don't take the bones back with you, Mm-mm. except the skull. But the problem is, you guys can't take anything back with you now. No. So these hu- these lions, um, Okay, in your case it's different because you're hunting them. So that's fine. But... These people that have got so many lions, I mean, they're gonna have to. There's gonna be a point where they can't have so many lions. It's just unaffordable, unethical, all that sort of stuff. And they're gonna have to kill these things and sell their bones just to get a, just to generate a bit of money to keep their farm or their ranch going. You know what I mean? So I think, from my point, I think uh, they definitely need to do something about the lion. Hunting in America. Everywhere else, it's allowed. Spain, we can export. Um, I think Canada, you can as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, Canada, you can. Mexico, Mexico, those sort of things. So uh, it's got to be frustrating for you guys at the moment. Absolutely. Just can't get any get anything back there. Can't get anything back into the US. And, and now, because there's so many lions, it's becoming more and more affordable for you guys to do this.
1: Yeah. Okay. I mean, you can get a forty-five, fifty-five dollars $55,000 lion for 10000 Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. But, Jared, getting towards the end now, um, mm. I just want to close off on what, as far as hunting Africa is concerned. Yes. What was your um, goal, your objective of doing this hunt, especially videoing it? And, and what did you want? to achieve out of this whole thing? Um, uh, For understanding, I mean, these tree
1: huggers, um, uh, some of them I can't even stand. I had one lady that in particular, and I hope she's watching this, uh, didn't do my website because she likes hunting, but she thinks hunting in Africa is unethical. And that drove me nuts because it's not. They think these guns that we have Mm -hmm. with these big monster canisters on the end are massive guns. What these canisters are, and i like to go over this just to clarify it, is they're helped to say these PH's ears. Um, They hear thousands of shots a year, and they'd be deaf in a year or two. Um, So these cannons that these tree huggers are so-called claiming – their help to protect the, the, PH's ears. Um, it's also as well, it's just So tuning. that I want to show the villages okay. how the poverty is here. We can come over and be over in the U.S. and say we want the lions in Africa, and what are we going to do about it? We don't have to. We don't have to live with them. We don't have to live with the elephants. You guys do. So I want to show. I want to show that, and hopefully with these videos, we're able to show that. We're able to show that it's affordable we're able to show that 10 year old girls can do it Mm. 10 year old boys can do it um that that was the main goal of these videos
0: yeah and as well i I think i think this is the first time you've been to courtman and actually seen where the meat goes and how far it goes and that that, that's something that's unique about this whole thing is that yeah and and i understand where you say where you want people to see that 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 side that doesn't get advertised a lot and, and it should it hmm. should it should be more um advertised because when when you go when you go i come over,
1: over here so much and i did not know that courtman bought a i don't even know a two dollar chicken <laughs> 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 he buys a two dollar chicken and it, he's buying it to feed his village yeah um if i would have known that that's what he, he he's doing right. i would have bought the whole set of chickens <laughs> and let courtman go chasing and having a good video footage but <laughs> you know there's so much that we don't know we went and helped a school um they have the kids home by well not home but they they out of school at one o'clock um that's something i didn't know and they do that so for the safety of the children so they're not out late yeah but i mean that
0: so they pick up at five o'clock in the morning yeah because some of them have got uh, the bus that picks them up has got quite a bit to drive but as well the kids have got like probably about two or three miles to cover before they get to the bus stop and then when they get there it takes them how how long did she say three four hours before they pick up every single child Mm. and then drop them off at school so those kids leave the home in the dark and they get back at dark and that's that, that was something cool that we, we got to share together. That was. Yeah, that was. That was something special. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. It's been an awesome 10 days. Yes, something it uh, sucks. This is over. <laughs> <laughs> something I'll never, ever forget. I mean, we shot some incredible animals and uh, just the the experiences we had. And yeah, uh, and that great And that, that's what it was about. It was about living the experiences. That was fantastic. But um, I appreciate you doing this and uh, – we'll keep in touch and we'll we'll see you next year
1: all right have a good Thanks Dylan. cheers guys Bye.